giving up really wasn't something that we considered to be an option. You just had to push through. It was, it. it was better. You're kind of at the point of no return. It's better to continue on through. And uh, that way you don't wonder your whole life whether or not it would have worked. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third-generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Welcome to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. This is the only podcast in East Idaho sharing origin stories of our favorite businesses, entrepreneurs, and influencers. The stories are inspiring and they provide a way for us to get to know our business neighbors better. So thank you for joining me today and be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't ever miss an episode. Today, my guests are two former Navy veterans that although their time serving our country is done, they've created a company that serves our community. So welcome Dan and Teresa Willis of All Hands Vending. Yes, thank you for having us. That was hard for me to get out vending. <laughs> I don't know why, but you are, I'm so glad to have you guys here. You have a fantastic story. I'm so excited to hear about it. But tell me, what is All Hands Vending? What, what is it exactly? Um, it's a company, well, to start, we looked at a lot of different companies and we ended up settling on a vending machine company. And it's just simply, uh, it's just simply a vending machine company. We wanted to structure a little differently. A lot of people are used to just kind of getting the different products that are in there. We wanted people to be able to pick and customize their products. We wanted our employees to be taken care of. And um, we also wanted to be charity based so that as the company grows, uh, the impact it can make on the community around it grows as well. Yeah. So uh, you guys sell vending machines. No, we, we place the vending machines at local businesses and then we service them and keep them stocked for their employees or their customers or whatever the situation uh, provides, and we maintain them. And what does maintaining them mean? Like keeping them stocked? We keep them stocked. We make sure that they're working, um, that all the sensors are in there are working so nobody has their money taken. Um, a lot of those problems people are used to having, we've got to make sure that those don't happen with ours. And so... Um, that's pretty much the bulk of it. It's not a complex business, just requires a little bit of attention to detail. So why vending machines? If you guys looked at different companies, what was it about vending machines that you thought, yeah, this is the business that I want to do? Well, one of it was that there was a need for it because a lot of the machines that are out there are very, very old. Another one is that it was something that we felt was scalable and it would be uh, easier to be able to hire other people to give us a hand with it. And we didn't have a lot of experience starting a business um, and this provided a way for us to kind of get into it without having something very complex where people needed licenses or special training or college degrees. Um, so it was something that was obtainable and that there was a need for in the community. Yeah, and what I understand about your vending machines is it's not, I mean, for one, technically they're good. Like you can use a card on them. You don't have to have the crumply dollar that it spits back out, right? Right, yes. Yeah. So you can use your debit or credit card, you can use your smartwatch, you can use uh, Apple Pay or Google Pay or pretty much anything I'm aware of you can use. There's loyalty programs on there so you don't have to use your own debit card. Um, as far as I'm aware, it takes just about anything. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fancy. Like, you know, I'm not used to vending machines being so fancy. It's kind of like my car. My car is smarter than I am, <laughs> way smarter. Like I don't even know how to drive it. So it's going to be that way with vending machines. Yeah, so that's, what, that's <laughs> one of the things we're hoping to change too is that kind of get away from that old image because there really is a lot out there and there's no need to have an old, 
old vending machine then, so. Yeah. Okay, so one, the vending machines technically are awesome. And two, you guys have a different model about, so if you place one of these vending machines in my business, a portion of the sales goes to the charity of my choice. Is that correct? That is, yeah. That was something that was really important to Teresa and I because we had actually worked with another company in Idaho Falls to help with our branding and everything like that. One of the things we had mentioned is that we wanted it to um, be able to support the community and represent that support as it grew. Um, there's kind of a, sometimes an, a growing sentiment that large companies sometimes don't care about the community or they can't care or something like that. We wanted to make sure that people saw that that's not true and that if people want to start a business that helps people as well, you can do both. And when it's placed in a local business, we want the business to be able to participate in that and they get to pick a charity and um, we have that information put on the machine and that way they can see the impact that it's had, how much has been donated because of them. They can find a link to that charity from our website, a small video that explains who it is and it's the charity's website. And some charities are large uh, that everyone's heard of and others are smaller like uh, locally owned charities such as one that's stationed out of Idaho Falls that helps veterans through equine therapy. And so we try to find everything in the middle. So it doesn't matter whatever charity, nonprofit charity that we wanted to donate to, you guys can make that happen. Yeah, as long as it's a legitimate charity. Yeah, it has to be 5013C, which means that it's nonprofit. And unfortunately, you know, it can't be, you know, Bob's Coffee Fund or something <laughs> like that, you know, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and so we, uh, we acquire all the proper paperwork and stuff like that that's needed from each place, and we keep that on file. And uh, that way, in case anybody was ever curious, you know. So yeah, it's one thing we learned in this legit. Yeah, in the military, that was our big thing. You always want to have paperwork. Paperwork because <laughs> you always want to keep a copy of your paperwork. So yeah, right. Kind of stuck over. Well, why was that important for you guys as you were looking for a business? I mean, obviously, I could probably fill in the blanks, but not. You know, I mean, I think there are a lot of us who are entrepreneurial that want to be philanthropic, but it doesn't. You know. That kind of maybe comes later. Why was that important as you structured your business to have that be a part up front? I think it came in a couple parts. One is that um, there are parts in our life where we've had help and it's made a big difference. And then there are other parts in our life where we've needed help and couldn't find it. And we've come from uh, various different backgrounds. Um, uh, my family grew up poor and so we didn't have a lot of money. And so I wanted there to be I wanted to support the programs that were out there to give other people a hand. And we understand that sometimes those programs can be abused, but we think there's a lot of good people out there that who could use a hand, and we wanted the company to be able to do that. And we wanted people to see that they could do it as well, and we're hoping to maybe be a little bit of an example so that other companies might... Choose to do that. Choose yeah. to do it as well, because we found that it doesn't uh, impact our company in a negative way to where it's impossible and... Um, so we just enjoy doing it. We enjoy being able to see the impact as we grow. How much of the proceeds go to the charity? Uh, at the current time, it's 5% of all the income. Okay. And so we don't take out profits or expenses first. It's just whatever it brings in, 5% of that goes to the charity. Okay, and then the rest is the is the expenses and yeah, overhead, good, whatever. Yeah, pays for the bills, the employees, the food, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. So what... Uh, what what are what's a good place to place a vending machine? Like I mean, I think, I think about our business. We don't have a lot of traffic. You know, I don't know that it would do really well there. What do you look for when you're looking to place a, 
of any machine in a business. One of the things I look for is that um, has enough people to see it. We like to have at least 50 people see it a day. So whether that's employees or customers that the business might have, um, that's one of the things that we look for, whether there's a need for it. Sometimes there's a lot of options with fast food and the employees just don't need one or the customers don't need one because there might be other options available. And so anywhere there's a need and uh, enough people that will see it is a place that we'd consider. And so how does that work for the business owner? Do I pay like a lease on it? to have it in my building? No, no, as long as we hit the minimums that we have found, such as the 50 employees or at least 50 people that see it, uh, we do everything at no cost to the business. Uh, we try to find places that we can do that, that way it's a benefit for everybody. It's cheaper for the business and um, as long as we can do it without needing that, we, we do that. So that's kind of cool. It's a service to my patrons, whether that's my employees or my customers um, and how much space do these things take up? About four feet by four feet. They're a little smaller than that, but they need a little room so you can open the door and stuff like that. So as long as we have about four feet to put the machine in and another, I guess, four feet to open the door, that's about all the space that they require. And it doesn't require anything special with electrical, just a standard 110 outlet works. So that's you can good. plug it in anywhere. Yeah. So if I if if this if I have one of these placed in my business, I understand that you also on your website um, kind of advertise that uh, five percent of proceeds are going to this particular charity. Is that correct? That's correct. And Teresa's uh, the one that does a lot of the research on the charities, so she'll be a little bit more familiar with uh, finding those charities. She works with a lot of people to help find those. Um, but the business goes on the website along with the charity that we've picked together and then some of the information that Teresa's found on the charities will go on there as well. So Teresa, what, what kind of charities now do you are you guys representing? Uh, well, right now I think we've got around a dozen, somewhere like that, but we, it kind of ranges everywhere from uh, the World Wildlife uh, Fund to a uh, personal favorite of mine, I guess, if I'm allowed to have favorites, you know, is uh, the uh, Steven Seiler Tunnel to Tower, Tunnels to Towers. And um, I really like that because it helps with, it kind of was brought about by 9-11, one of the families that started at the Stephen uh, Seiler family, uh, their family members were uh, killed. And so they just started this charity to try and help other people who, you know, lost family members because of, you know, 9-11 and the aftermath of it, just because of the wreckage and stuff like that because the government wasn't stepping up and doing it and um, they do a lot of great stuff everything from uh, paying bills for the family um, to paying off their mortgage that way they don't have to worry about going homeless and uh, stuff like that so so you guys talked a little bit about how your your life shaped you with this because you've had to rely on assistance here and there talk to me a little bit about about what what was your inspiration to become a business owner? Did you, I understand you guys are both retired Navy veterans, right? You guys, and you met in the military, is that correct? We did meet in the military. Um, we're not technically retired, we're disabled vets. So it's, it's, it's uh, obviously we haven't been in the military for 20 years because that means we would have joined when we were 10. That's a little young, <laughs> but. Uh, okay, good, thank you for correcting me. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was a lot of things. I think each of our stories is differently. I guess I'll go first on mine. Um, like I had mentioned before, we had grow, grown up kind of poor at times. My dad's always done a really good job. Uh, he worked at the juvenile correction center, worked a lot of hours and uh, 
we never went hungry, um, but money wasn't something that we had a lot of. And one of the th and so from a young age, my dad always taught me the importance of having money and the importance of learning the proper way to use it and stuff like that. And so it was kind of always on my radar. And then when I was in the military, I kind of did more research into what it is that I wanted to do. And I didn't like the idea of getting a job. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I knew it was a necessity, but I didn't want to have to do it forever. And so I looked into different businesses and uh, investment routes. This is real estate. And so that's kind of how I gained an interest in that is I wanted the financial freedom with my family. I wanted to be able to spend more time with my family. That way I wasn't gone at work all the time. Uh, I wanted to be able to take time off if someone was sick or something went on or if there was a good thing without having to ask permission or worry about whether or not I had enough days. And so the financial freedom and just the time with the family was what I was looking for the most. Yeah, so, I think those are pretty common that we're, you know, we hope that that will come. Although I think that coming into business often we have this rude awakening that it, we are really never have a, I mean, we have free, we have free, we have flexible time, but we always are living the business. Yeah. And that's the way that we found it in the beginning. It seems like it's about 10 times as much work as having a job. But the nice thing is you only have to solve the problems once. And so eventually once you solve enough problems and if you do it the right way or you do it I guess the way that we're trying to do it, you'll have people there to help you and you'll have that support from various experts or uh, employees who kind of want to join in on what you're doing. And eventually you don't have to work as hard as you did in the beginning. Yeah, that's the hope. Hopefully we do that, yes. right? Yes. So Teresa, how about you? I mean, obviously you guys are partners in this business. You, you're on board with having your own business. How did that vision come to you? Like, what is your background a little bit like? Oh, uh, well, I don't have, um, I don't have anybody in my family that's had their own business. Um, I, I guess for me with starting my own business, it was really a lot about, I thought I could, I, I looked at it as something I could do better. Uh -huh. You know, I just work in several different jobs, being in the military, all that. Um, I just always struggled with having bosses that just weren't good at their job uh -huh. in one avenue or another. They either micromanaged or, you know, they had their, um, they would put their emphasis in one place and not another. And uh, especially in the military, it was difficult because uh, they, they had this attitude of, well, we've been doing it like this for, you know, a couple hundred years. So we're just going to keep doing it that way. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I just liked the idea of. Uh, breaking the mold. I like that idea that I could go out and I could do my own business and I could do it in different ways. I could do it in a way that um, everybody could benefit, you know, the charities, helping the community, you know, being able to have employees that actually like going to work, um, you know, and I really enjoyed uh, just getting information from a lot of different sources, just everything from memoirs like Sam Walton's book on uh, Made in America was really inspiring to me because he just talks about uh, some of the you know, the good and the bad, you know, the mistakes, I guess, that he made along the way and just how he structured his business. And um, um, I don't know, I just I have a lot of different things. I know I'll mess up along the way, just like everybody else does. But I, I want to come and do it with like a fresh perspective. Of I think I can try and do at least a little bit better. Yeah. And then maybe inspire someone else along the way. So. Well, I really hear in both of you, you're talking about um, being bosses and doing a better job than what you was modeled to you. How many employees do you guys have now? 
at the moment we have one and we're looking at hiring our second one here in probably about three weeks and by summer we expect to have probably about two more that's great so the business is growing Things it is are it's growing off. very fast yeah it's a learning curve but uh, like i mentioned before it's enjoyable because it's your own and you usually only have to solve the problems once as long as you solve them right yeah so, so tell me what do you guys think you're doing right in order for that to be growing the way that it is well i think the first thing that we do is we allow the people who use the machine to pick the food um, but that's something that other people uh, hadn't experienced before and that seemed like common sense to us. I don't eat things I don't want and I wouldn't expect anybody else to eat something they don't want. And so that's, I think, one of the biggest things. We maintain our machines our machines don't take your money and if they do, it gets returned promptly. We can do it right over the computer because of the uh, um, electronics that are in there. Um, so the convenience of them, having the right food, um, Getting talk. back to people in a timely manner. Yes. That is something that's always driven me crazy is that I call <laughs> to get help with something with whatever it is. And then it's, if I'm lucky, it's a few days later. It's usually more like a week later. Right. And I just, it's just one of my biggest pet peeves, you know? So we try and get back to people within like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? it's interesting so, that you say that because customer service around vending machines, those things don't come you know, to me naturally together. But mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense, right? Because that's one of the most frustrating experiences. And I, I'm sure for the places that you're placing those, those businesses, they, they want the experience to be good at the vending machine. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And they want to know who they're doing business with too. Um, a, lot of, um, a lot of companies might go through the back and we understand the idea of being quiet, not being seen and not disrupting anything, but we've found that that limits your ability to find out what problems or what things they want or what things might be going on. So one of the things we instruct our employees is as long as it's okay with the talk company, <laughs> walk right through the front door, talk with people, see how things are going, say hi. Um, we regularly check up on the businesses to make sure they're happy with the machines and that their satisfaction's high and um, stuff like that because it's really important to us that they enjoy having us there. We, yeah. want, we want them to be happy that our machines are there and we want them to be happy uh, because of the things uh, that the machines have and our company's able to do for them. I think that your business does bring happiness because when I want a snack, <laughs> I want to be able to get it. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe a meal. Yeah. I mean, you never know what that's going to be for some people. Right. Yeah. I, um, I'm a nurse. And so I worked night shifts for a couple of years and that was, you know, that was my meal in the middle of the night. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, we like the range of diversity we have too. Like we really like that. Uh, like, like I said earlier, I really like the breaking the mold kind of thing. I take it kind of as a challenge. And so I, I like to tell different people, you know, we do everything from like kombucha to cheesecake, you know. And so it's really fun just seeing people get all excited, like, wow, well, can you do this? And I'm like, well, I can find it. I can. And so we've had just weird stuff like Pocky, which is like this Japanese cookie kind of thing. And we've had, um, you know, kombucha and just some really weird stuff. And, and people have really... You know, we have our whiteboard that we put on every machine and we it's an open line of communication with our contact info and stuff. And so people really seem to get a kick out of it. And and uh, we do our best. The only thing we haven't been able to do yet is I get a lot of people that ask, you know, we'll put like Pap's Blue Ribbon Beer or something in there. <laughs> <laughs> and so we can't, can't check an ID yet. Yeah. yeah we haven't. Until <laughs> we figure that out. <laughs> yeah. We haven't gotten to that stage yet. But, <laughs> but it's fun. That's just really, it creates a really good um relationship I feel like with with people because um that's another thing when I all the different jobs I worked was I never felt like I was being listened to I never felt like I was being heard and so um it just seemed like a really good 
like way to you know do things where you get to pick your food, you get to talk to me about it, and you get to know my name. You get to know my name, you get to know my face. I come in, I'm happy to see you. You know, I leave my problems at the door. You know, your problems are my problems aren't your problems. That kind yeah. of thing. And so, I love that. I love hearing you talk about that and that sense of service. You know, I mean, how can it's not just a piece of food in a machine. It's actually what's going to please the people who are needing to use that. And I just love that. I think that's awesome. So great job. Um, You know, Dan, you talked a little bit about maybe a stereotype that is around businesses, around, you know, around being charitable and making money. Talk to me a little bit about how do you feel like businesses can overcome those stereotypes that we have? Because I mean, you know, one of the reasons I started this show was to be able to show that as business owners, we're just trying to do the best that we can. Like, you know, we have families that we have to take care of. And oftentimes we get these bad raps about, you know, being, you know, bajillionaires and, you know, whatever. And I'm that what they don't know is I'm concerned that we're going to be able to pay our electric bill, just like everybody else. So what do you believe is the, you know, some keys to help business owners and, and businesses to overcome those stereotypes? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with communication and uh, the information that I suppose two opposing forces receive. You know, you got the business owners who are trying to start a business and there's a lot of stress in that, such as expenses that people don't see. You have taxes and you have, um, regulations with some businesses and you have the added costs of doing business over a larger scale, which adds a whole new uh, slew of problems and expenses and stuff like that. But then I think there's also, so I think that's part of the disconnect. But another thing that I think business owners could do is, um, and this isn't obviously true for everybody, but sometimes it seems like to us, the experience me and Teresa have had is that employees are viewed as like a necessary evil and some sort of um, expense that you have to deal with. And that's just not the case. Um, And I think that employers seeing that and maybe taking good care of their employees and maybe listening to them and finding out what different benefits you can offer, because some are very expensive and and I understand that and uh, we can't offer everything, but just taking care of your employees and it, it's uh, free usually to make the workplace a fun environment and enjoyable. It doesn't take much other than being friendly and um, even if everyone's business all the time, which is important because you have to get certain things done, you can still be friendly and talk and have a good time and make it enjoyable to be there. Yeah, have that genuine interest in those that you're working with. Huh? Right. And mm-hmm. so I, I just think maybe more open communication, maybe businesses could talk to people about it, but I think it'll all probably start with the way uh, employees see the company and view the company because they're kind of your main voice. And so if the employees are happy and the employees are taken care of, everybody's going to know you take care of them and the general word will get around that you're a good company. And I think that that's usually the first thing people look at is the way that the employees are treated. Yeah, I think you're and right so. too. Yeah, how often are we turning over people? And yeah, I, I think that's really important. Very good. You know, I listened a little bit to, about how the military has influenced your business, but in, in the way that, you know, this is the, the way we should, because we've always done it this way, doesn't mean that's the way that we have to do it going forward. But how else do you feel like the military's influenced the way you guys are doing business? Oh, well... Um, it definitely helps us with structure. It helps us stay uh, very focused, you know, and uh, organized. 
like I was saying, you know, there's certain things that I think other people might not consider as important, like keeping paperwork, keeping an organized system of, you know, who has what and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, um, the military is probably very good about <laughs> that. Yes. Oh, to the yes. nth degree. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would imagine structure is a very th- good thing in organization. You need that when you're starting a business. You also get, you also learn how to work with a very diverse group of people too. Oh yeah. Because that was one of the biggest things I learned early was that being on a, I was on a carrier, I was on the John C. Stennis and there's about 5,600 people on there. Wow. And so, I mean, there's just all, all types and you're not going to get along with at least a few of them. Um, but you still have to work with them, still sleep in the same, you know, quarters as them, you work with them. And so um, I think that that gives you a really, uh, like a much broader look at, you know, how to overcome challenges. Because honestly, if you can go on no sleep and, 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 and poor food and being around people you don't get along with and be able to overcome that. In the middle of the ocean. In the middle of the ocean, <laughs> you know, with uh, little to no communication at times. Um, I don't know, it just makes any kind of challenge that we see now in the civilian world, it just makes it seem like it's a little, a little easier to tackle. Yeah, you know? I would think so. Like if you guys can get through that, th- you know, what you're doing in business probably is like a piece of cake. Yeah. Maybe not, but it helps helps a little bit. It it helps a lot with the discipline because like Teresa mentioned, I think just being able to sit down and handle things, it definitely makes it easier because if you can do the military, then um, you have the discipline to start a business for sure. And it doesn't require anywhere near that, I think, the discipline of, well, maybe it does. I don't know. I mean, it's a different, it's hard to compare. Different discipline, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it'd be like, I guess, comparing a food that's very sweet to a food that's very savory. It'd be hard to compare the two as far as, but, uh, but the principles the are principle similar. The principle is similar. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, what I'm interested to know, what lessons do you feel like you've learned as you've pursued your entrepreneurial journey? I understand you guys started this business in January of 2020. So <laughs> we're headed into the <laughs> pandemic. Yes. And started you started a, this. It was like a week before the Chinese new year. Yeah. And we found out the hard way that the Chinese, they take off like the whole month of January to celebrate this. <laughs> wow. And so, uh, yeah, we started everything and then they took their month off or a few weeks off for that and then COVID hit. And, and so, so how did that impact you with them, with their Chinese New Year? Because you're sourcing things from there? Mm-hmm. The machines are built there. Oh, got it. They're, they're sent to Ventec, who has their main headquarters out of New York. Got it. And, so and that's they, the parent that's that you're getting the machines from? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And then COVID. <laughs> so then there weren't 50 people coming by the machines because we were closed down. We didn't even have machines. We paid for all the machines and they're not cheap in the beginning of January. We didn't even get our first machine until mid-March because they shut all the ports down. Oh and my so we gosh. had all the bills of a business, but we never made a dime for about three and a half months. And so and it that was, was pretty tough. That was, it was frustrating. It was frustrating, but it was sad too, because I remember, you know, talking to different businesses and they were like, we'd love to have you. But honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to keep my doors open. Uh, through this i don't even know if i'll be able to survive it and yeah so, and there were many that didn't there were yeah. many that said hey if i can if i can get my doors open i will and there was many who didn't make it and it was kind of sad to watch the community suffer oh my gosh so, no kidding so so what did you think like were you like have we made a mistake or you know like what were where was your head when all this was going on that definitely crossed our mind oh, because yeah. <laughs> we got our first machine in march but we didn't even place our second machine till september 
Oh, wow. Yeah, Because it was a very yeah. long time before we were able to get more machines placed because at that time, uh, businesses were very uh, preoccupied with just keeping their doors open. Whether their employees had a particular vending machine wasn't really high on their list, and that makes sense because you're worried about making sure that you can keep your doors open and that you weren't going to get shut down for one reason or another or that people would still come by or all the plethora of things people were getting used to at the time. COVID so, also made it hard to get certain foods and drinks and stuff like that just because there were so many factories that were closing and I mean just so many different routes of transportation that were cut off and yeah so there was times where luckily all our you know the one the first business was really patient and then as we got going people were still really patient which we appreciate but yeah it was it was a little uh we definitely felt like, you know, wrong place, wrong time or something. Kind of felt like that at a lot of points in our life or, you know, a day late and a dollar short. And then we finally, you know, we're paying off bills and we finally can start this business. And then, you know, a pandemic happened. And maybe that's <laughs> small minded of me to think, oh, well, it's just me. Because obviously it's affected the world, you know, but it was. But it, the timing particularly sucked for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed it did. Yeah. 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 So. so why didn't you throw in the towel? Because you'd made this investment, you you had to see it through. Well, you really can't throw in the towel. I mean, you can give up and lose everything, you know. And obviously, our we wouldn't lose everything in our personal lives, but the business. But a lot of times, giving up is just not an option. I think that's one thing that the military has showed us is that um, you can only change your mind if you can get everything back that you put into it. And if you can't get everything back that you put into it and get back to zero, then you're just, you just threw away everything you had. So giving up really wasn't something that we considered to be an option. You just had to push you're through. You're going to wait was, through it. It yeah. was better. You're kind of at the point of no return. It's better to continue on through. And uh, that way you don't wonder your whole life whether or not it would have worked. You know, could I have just made it? Could it, if I had done this, would I have come up with a solution? And um, even if we try really hard and fail, I think we'd rather try hard, fail, lose everything anyways, because that's what happens when you give up. <laughs> yeah, right. Either way. At least we know that we, we, it didn't make it because um, whether you, we didn't have the resources or we couldn't solve a particular problem, but we gave it everything we had at the time rather than, yeah, well, we, it got hard, so we gave up and now we're not sure what to do. Yeah. And so. Oh, that is just so powerful because I think, you know, what I what I hear you saying is you you're going to like you're scared of failing and so you don't try. Well, you really are failing cuz you're not trying, right? It's like either way, that's that's you got to put yourself out there and be willing to take whatever that whatever comes and pushing through the adversity. What a great lesson. We just kind of refer to it as like writing uh, writing pages in our book. Because we're, we're both writing our own books about our lives and there's different things that we've been able to do. And so we just, whenever something, that's just the inside joke. It's just whenever <laughs> something happens, like, I'm just adding pages to our book. Yeah, you know, here's another thing. It's never inspiring <laughs> if, if you were to say, oh, it was so easy, you know. <laughs> and um, a lot of the different, you know, books that we've read and different things like that, they say that the main job of an entrepreneur is to um, overcome problems, you know. And so I figured... Well, both of us figured, you know, well, it's just another problem, you know, a global scale problem, but still a problem. So We'll just handle our corner of the problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And congratulations, you're an entrepreneur. Well, <laughs> you yes, have well, a problem. Thank to you do. very much. Yeah. <laughs> most of the growth happened here 
in the last three months because I think that people are learning to work through what's going on. Yeah. Mm. So talk to me about that. Most of the machines that you've placed have been in the last three months. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, since September. So we have 10 machines out there right now and um, the other nine were placed maybe not nine, maybe eight were placed since September. Wow. So the whole first year of people, you know, worry that maybe they're struggling or wondering whether or not, you know, it's the right time or whatever it is, if the money's not working right, um, that was our experience as well for a whole year um, with no particular indication of when it'll get better. Um, but we did just handle one problem at a time. We had to take certain things into our own hands that we thought that uh, Ventec as a company was going to be able to handle. They were in the past able to place a lot of the machines, but obviously the pandemic prevents them from buying people out. So we had to do jobs that we weren't expecting. And so we just had kind of had to adapt. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just not not letting it overwhelm you, not not getting stuck on, oh, there's all these problems. How am I, how am I going to like the quicksand, you know, like, yeah. how am I going to get out of all this muck? You know, yeah, how am I going to overcome? Too much. You just take it one thing at a time. And uh, I guess you throw your five minute, 10 minute pity party, you know, but then at the end of the day, it's like Dan said, it's not really an option just to give up. So, yeah, well, it is for some people. So congratulations <laughs> that you didn't. I mean, that's great. And things seem to be turning the corner. So hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. Just get, keep getting these things placed. Yeah. And I hope that people can try too because you had mentioned earlier that some people don't try and i think that's sad because as a financial advisor i saw a wide variety of circumstances i was helping people with their finances and i think the saddest ones were the ones that didn't try for the bulk of their life and then they wanted to try at that moment but it just wasn't an option yeah there's no more time and they probably would have been fine no matter what the turnout was just simply by doing something new Um, but they hadn't and i thought that was kind of sad so i kind of had the uh, I guess the advantage of seeing that play out because then you can kind of see a lot of the decisions and what happens later on. And so I'd encourage people to at least try. Yeah. yeah. More, more millionaires advice. came out of the depression than I think any other era. Maybe it's different now with, you know, just technology, the boom of technology and everything else. But that was something I, I, I've always kept in mind is that there was just so much room for growth and so many ways that, you know, people people tried, they put their effort into and they succeeded with it. So, yeah, I hear you guys talk about books that you have read. I understand that this was really something that drove you. You like, you guys were going, finding, um, entrepreneurial books, business books, self-help books, whatever, wherever you could like, tell me about that. Well, like Teresa mentioned before, uh, neither one of us had any buddy in our family who started a business or was an entrepreneur in any way. Um, and so we didn't have anybody that we could just go talk to. So we had to find it. And at the, and there were months where we couldn't even afford to pay our bills, uh, let alone go out and buy a book. And we found books that uh, were in the free section of the thrift store. Uh, one of the best books I've bought was a dollar at the thrift store. Um, and what was it? Rich Dad, Poor Dad by yeah. Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. I highly recommend it. It's an easy read. Um, anybody can understand it and it helps just to kind of put money in a frame of reference and how to think about it as a tool. And we got a couple books actually out of the garbage that we were, that we saw, it was just sitting on top and it was just a book and some books weren't even opened and used and they were in the free or garbage section. And so it doesn't really take a lot of money to learn what you need. In fact, 
the cheaper the book is in the thrift store, usually the better it is because people usually won't read anything that's good for them. So the <laughs> ones that are free are probably the best ones to read. <laughs> that's good advice. Yeah, yeah so. isn't that true? Because we want to read the ones that take us away in the fantasy yeah. land instead of the ones that are going to improve ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it is, great. It is hard at first, though. I mean, it is hard because those first few books, even with, you know, not having to pay for them, I mean, we just having to wrap your mind around no longer being a employee but in be, but being an entrepreneur and an employer it's just it's if you've never i don't know it it, it would be like if you've um i suppose never seen math before you know and then someone was like oh well the world is driven off of this this whole new language of math instead and trying to relearn it just so i can see a lot of people being like Nah, it's, it's, it's not worth it. Yeah, it doesn't you know? make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's so hard to wrap your mind around it. And so it took, oh, it must have, oh, it took years for us to really be able to listen to the advice, to just take the leap of faith and be like, all right, well, these guys are richer than we are. So they're doing something better than we uh -huh. are. So we should listen. But it was still challenging. I love what you're saying because it, a lot of times we fall into that victim mentality. Like, well, that's fine for them because they have all this stuff or with all these opportunities. We started business at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, like everything right. is stacked against us. And so we, we tend to get into this victim mode. And what I hear you saying is this was a mindset change for you. Mm -hmm. You saw one thing as black and it flipped to white, like mm -hmm. as you were learning these concepts. So powerful. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if it, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of an odd duck sometimes, I guess. I don't know. I've always, I like, I like a challenge. And I guess I think there's a lot of people out there that they don't want to swim upstream. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. they want to take the, you know, the lazy river uh, approach. Yes, I can appreciate Which that. Which we're working towards now. That's why we're working so hard is so that I can have like 30 years of lazy river. And... Yeah, yeah. The lazy river looks good. Yeah. 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 But you know, you got to work right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that was hard with those books is that once you start to understand what they say, then understanding the situation you're in was really is really difficult because when we first it was a hard concept to understand on some parts. Obviously some is simple, but some of the parts of the book were complicated, but then once we understood it, we realized how bad our situation really was when we're over $20,000 in credit card debt and we have vehicles that are 10 or $15,000 over what they're worth mm. um, as far as the loans. We were in a bad position. And so we had to work really, really, really hard just to get to the starting line. Wow. And so I think that was probably the hardest part of the whole process. Absolutely. Because it was the most, it felt like the most unrewarding. You work really hard, you put your extra money and then that's, um, and then your money's just gone and you're broke for a and long time slow. because the loans, you don't think about it when you're at a bank and they're like, oh yeah, it'll be a five-year loan or an eight-year loan for the vehicle. It's only $200 a month. But when you're trying to get rid of it so you can start a business and you actually think about eight years from now, it was a really difficult thing to do. And so one of the things that we did to help keep our spirits up was we just created a board and it had all of our debts on it and it had all of our bills and assets. And so when we did buy one ounce of silver, we did make an extra payment. The reward is that we were able to see the number go down. And without that, I don't know if we would have made it because it felt we totally understand how unrewarding and impossible it really seems to get out of the situation because our situation was really, really bad. Yeah. And that was probably the hardest part. And um, we just 
did it just like the book said, one, one extra payment at a time. We focused on one bill. We didn't spend our money out. We just paid one off and then stacked it on to the next. And uh, that board made a big difference. And at first, the board was really depressing. And uh, we were <laughs> wake like, up every morning looking at it and go to sleep every night board. looking yes, at it. Yes, because you can look at it and you're just like, how did I end up in this situation? And it's just one, one vehicle at a time or one whatever. But once you kind of kind of mourn, I suppose, <laughs> your situation, then you can start to overcome it. Um, as impossible and daunting as it is, we just didn't see another option. Just like we had mentioned before, the flip side of fixing the problem is just to continue doing what we're doing, which after we saw the situation we're in just wasn't an option. I mean, we couldn't keep doing what we're doing. We were lucky to even be able to pay our bills then. And so we had to change something. If we ever wanted to be happy again, we had to change something because yeah. what we were doing wasn't working. Yeah. And so as daunting or impossible as it seemed, we just couldn't keep doing what we were doing. Well, what you're talking about is you finally told the truth. You know, I think so many of us look at our situations and we don't we don't look at them. You know, we just live in this, oh, you know, I can do this $200 a month and it's just fine. And like you said, things just keep piling up. And so it's like, if I never write my will, I'll never die, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, that just doesn't work like that. So congratulations to be able to look at your situation and then to have the discipline to do something about it. Because yeah, well, a lot of you. us don't have that. Yep, we appreciate that. So... What do you think, like looking back uh, with the business, have you made any mistakes, anything that you've learned from that we could learn from you? Um, so much. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I suppose one of the things is we went into the business from the beginning because we assumed that the company we bought our vending machines from would be able to place a lot of them. And so far that hasn't been the case. We've had to place almost all of them and it's to no fault of their own because things just changed in between when we had bought the machines and when they went to fulfill that part of what we had talked about. And so understanding that as a business owner, you may be faced with doing things that you don't want because um, it's a rare person that likes to be a salesman and have to go and uh, do something and I hate it more than most but that was just something I and had to learn to do. And now that's the situation you're in, huh? And, and you kind of come to terms with it. It's not. It's a little easier to feed people than it is to ha handle their finances so that helped but uh, I think that's the biggest thing is just understanding that um, things change and don't let the lows get you too low or the highs get you too high. Yeah. You know. It's good. What keeps you inspired to keep chasing those dreams? Our success. Watching it slow. You know, it's like rolling a rock uphill, you know, and then at some point you get to the top, you know, and it takes a long time. It takes you, you know, 10 times as long just to get up to the top of the hill, you know, but it's worth it in the end. And I think that's kind of what the last year or so has been. It's just pushing that rock uphill, yeah. you know, um, yeah. but now all that work, you know, the steadfastness is paying off because now we're getting into bigger companies um, and our businesses you know, really starting to explode, you know, uh, hiring employees and having our own warehouse to work out of. And um, uh, we did inventory the other day. And I mean, we had like $20,000 or something like that in inventory. And I was just like blown away. Yeah, how can you do that? I used to have $20,000 in debt. And now you have all this. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's, yeah. A, that's a fantastic way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was really humbling, I think, just to, because 
when you're pushing the rock uphill, all you can think of is oh, pushing this dang rock up the hill and it's never going to end and I'm tired and I want to stop. And then one day you stop and you learn like, wow, I'm like halfway up the hill or, or whatever it is, all the progress you make little by little. I love it. I think oftentimes we, people look at business owners and it looks so sexy. I don't know why, but necessarily, <laughs> you know, it can look that way. And most of it is really mundane. Like it's just yes. like, got to get through this and you're right. Then you look back and you're like, whoa, this is cool. Military is kind of like that. Everyone thinks the military is just, it's like the movies where yeah. it's just nonstop, stop, action, action pack, drama. Mm -hmm. No, no, Leah. <laughs> it's probably only about 5% of your, your time in a six month out on the, you know, the middle of the ocean on your ship out of that whole time. 5% is actually really interesting. You know, then the rest of the 95% is just yeah. droll, boring, Mundane, tedious, yeah. mundane stuff. So, Well, another lesson that kind of helped set you up for what business was going to be, because although it does, you know, there are definitely highs and lows in business. A lot of it is just, you just got to plug through. Mm -hmm. So good job. Um, all right, guys, what advice would you give to someone considering self-employment? You definitely have considered all of those things, looked at different businesses. Now you're here, you've executed if that was me listening to your story, what advice would you give me if, if I was looking to do something? I'd say to pick up a book and keep in mind where you're getting your information from. You yes. know, you would not go to the baker and ask him about your car, unless of course he's a mechanic too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of things you would go to a particular person to solve a particular problem. And it seems like with money, sometimes people don't do that. They ask a friend or they ask a family member. And I totally understand doing that because it's a thing of trust and you don't want to be embarrassed and uh, things like that. We were the same way. We didn't want to talk about our $20,000 in credit card debt. But regardless, if they don't, if they've never done it, then they don't know how to do it, regardless of how much they may think that they do and how much they love us and care for us. If they've never done it, then they don't know the problems that you're going to come across. And if you don't have anybody in your life that can answer those questions for you, then I would pick up a book and just read something that interests you. If it's real estate, read a real estate book. If it's business, read business. If it's whatever it is, read a book on that. And then that book will generally lead you to more and don't get cut and don't stall too long. Learn. Just move, that huh? The best way to learn is to practice yeah. and don't be afraid to fail, but definitely learn. No analysis paralysis is yes. what I call it. Yeah. yeah. Teresa, um, do you have in input for anybody who would be starting a business? Well, something I learned, and I'm, I know a lot of my stuff comes from the military, but that was probably one of the, the, the biggest points of my life as far as growing and learning on stuff. But I, I learned really quickly that on my ship with all those people, you're all in it together and you're all pretty equally miserable. Um, <laughs> but you never want to make anybody upset because you don't know when you're actually going to need their help next. There were several times, several stories of different people I knew where they had a breakup or they got in an argument or they cut in front of somebody in the chow line or, or something, whatever it is. And um, that person that they cut in front of or whatever ended up um, being part of payroll uh, you know, being a chef that did the food. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to take them off. There was one time where in the military they call it a birthing, which is where all where you all sleep. Uh, there was one time that our birthing lost hot water for about two weeks because one of the girls had a bad breakup with a guy in engineering, no. and they decided that that was how they were going to play that. So wow. um, I just learned really quickly that um, be kind and 
you don't know what's going on with other people. In reality, I think a lot of us are all at the same level of misery. And you just never know how you'll be able to help each other out. You have no idea where that person might end up coming back into your life and being a huge impact in some way. Yeah. And be able to to help you out of your situation. So Yeah, and I like what you say. We're all we're all just trying to do the best that we can. Like I don't wake up in the morning to take everybody off or do something wrong, <laughs> right? Yes. Like it just happens. And yeah. so yeah, give give each other some grace. Yeah, I like that. All right, so what's the future for Dan and Teresa and for all hands vending? Hopefully the lazy river. That's my motivation for yeah. everything is that yeah. um, I had the benefit of seeing certain places uh, through the military and it'd be great to go visit on vacation. And, um, you know, I kind of said it jokingly, but I, I want like 30, you know, 30 years of being able to have fun and whether it's traveling, hanging out with the family, having a house that's bigger than I need or whatever it is, I don't want to be able to do that. I just want to solve the problems once. I want to work on a problem once and then, so hopefully it's wealth and success and we help a lot of people along the way and we uh, can watch our business grow and see that people are happy working with us and um, we can see the impact of the charities. We, we keep we keep all that information on the website. It's kind of nice to see it grow and it'll be exciting to see how large that number gets and to think about the difference it makes because our business is around and businesses have used our machines. And so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's great. I wish I could remember who said it, um, but just something, there was a quote that really stood out to me and somebody said, uh, you'll only go as far as your self-confidence will allow you. Mm. Um, and I mean, we've, from the very beginning, this was not just small potatoes. You know, we really, we want we want to go national. You know, we want to, um, we want to set the new standard we want to continue to bring machines that are state of the art. Yeah. You know, and be able to just do it better. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and part of doing it better is not just having the machine with the nicest gadgets. Part of that is having a company like Dan was saying where people enjoy working for you. Mm-hmm. And then that bleeds out to your your consumers, your customers that are like, "Wow, you really like your job." You know, and um, so we want it to go big. We have no idea. Who knows? In five years, you know, we could be the next Sam Walton or right. or we could be right where we're at. You never know what's going to happen. But um, it's just that mentality of just one problem at a time. Overcome that problem and move on to the next one. Yeah. And um, remember the people that helped us along the way, you know, because um, there's so many people out there that influence you. Both people you've met, people you've, you know, read books from or right. whatever. And, right. Um, and yeah, and just and you could be that for somebody else. Yeah, it would be pretty amazing. Never in my life have I ever felt like I would be, you know, a mentor or a role model or anything. I just was like, I just want to do the best I can, and maybe do something better. And I figure if anybody can take away anything from me in my life, then I've really succeeded somewhere. You know. Yeah. So. Well, I think they will. It sounds like your guys' stories. I mean, it's definitely inspiring and it's fun. It, it will be fun to sit and watch you guys do what you're going to do. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Your story is definitely inspiring and it provides great direction on not giving up and going after what you want. Um, it's also an excellent example of how serving others really comes back to us tenfold. So thank you guys both so much for your service to our country and for your service to make our communities better one snack at a time. Yes, thank you. (laughs) So thank you so much. As a reminder, guys, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. 
We were chosen by Idaho's Best of 2021 as Best in Eastern Idaho and top three for the entire state. So guys, if you're looking for automotive repair provided with honesty and integrity, come and see us and let our family take care of your family. And thank you so much for your support. Stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment. It's now time for a Business Leadership Moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Welcome to the Business Leadership Moment. This segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference held every November. And they also have a sister event called RiseX, which is held monthly. Please check it out at www.risecon.io or risex.io. And don't forget that Rise is spelled with a Z. This week, I had an experience I wanted to share with you guys. I happened to be on the Entrepreneurs of Idaho um, chat in Clubhouse, and we're having a great discussion. Incidentally, if you don't know what that is, reach out to me. I'm happy to share with you what Clubhouse is. Um, It's been a great format to, it's an audio only discussion forum where you can get in and really network with individuals that you may not otherwise have the opportunity to do so. Um, So I highly recommend it. It's currently only for iOS platforms, um, but Android is coming. And so I was in Clubhouse, we were having a conversation, and one of the members brought up uh, the fact that she was suffering from imposter syndrome. And I, I really wanted to explore that a little bit. For those of you who aren't familiar with that term, it basically means that at any time, someone's going to figure out that you don't know what you're doing and they're going to call you out on it. And if you have never had that feeling, then congratulations. Um, But many of us, especially in business or as new leaders or whatever in our lives, mothers, fathers, like it happens, um, we feel like you know, how on earth could anybody have given me this responsibility? I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not worthy, you know, all of those kind of things. And so we call it imposter syndrome. And and, uh, it's definitely prevalent, especially in the people that I have worked with over my career and myself. Um, So when I thought about this, I really had the impression at the time about how, because I had just been through this very experience where I was preparing to speak with a relatively big client and um, and I was comparing myself to my mentor who's been doing this work for 30 years and I'm thinking, I, I can't, I'm not worthy. Like I can't do this. I, 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 you know, this is beyond what I'm able to do. And I was suffering from my own imposter syndrome in that moment. And what the epiphany that I had, and as I was talking to this individual on Clubhouse or listening was really we would not have imposter syndrome if we didn't have comparisons. And you've heard the old saying that comparison is the thief of joy. And isn't that true? Like, if I didn't have anybody to compare to except myself, would I feel like an imposter? No, I'd just be doing the very best that I knew how to do and plug along, which is exactly what's expected of us, right? We're just here to do the very best that we can do. And when we start comparing ourselves to others, we start feeling inadequate and we have all of this self-doubt. And um, I also believe that it is really based in shame. So if you've ever listened to me, you know that I adore and study Brene Brown. 
And she defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we're flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. And that seems like a great definition to imposter syndrome too, right? Like, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not, I'm going to be shunned. People are going to call me out. I won't belong. Um, I think imposter syndrome is based in shame. Um, They're all intertwined. And really understanding how if we shine a light on those feelings that we're having, they don't get to have power over us anymore. And so kudos to this individual who spoke about it in Clubhouse. Kudos to that because the antidote to this is empathy and finding individuals who can give you grace and say, hey, you are worth it. You can do it. I've got you. I, you know, I'm in your corner supporting you and cheering you on so that we can step out and do it and, you know, prove to ourselves that even if we aren't successful in whatever we were doing, we we had the ability to do it. We put ourselves out there and we didn't die, right? Because sometimes we think that will be the consequence. So I just really want to encourage you guys this week to be empathetic with those individuals around you. Be careful about who you're comparing yourself to, especially if it's giving you your own feelings of self-doubt. And let's just really try to lift one another up and help each other with this journey that we're we're taking and realize that once in a while we all feel inadequate, but it's okay. And um, just plug through it. You can do it. Move on. Find your tribe. Have them help you. Um, thanks, guys. If you want to learn more about this, I actually have done a blog post. And you can find that at newlevelleader.com backslash blog. And you can read more about it. All right. Thanks, guys. We look. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Take care and be safe. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.